Okay, I'm rolling on my side. Uh, check, check. Hello. Yeah, me too. All right. Ready to go. Got a fresh uh, coffee right here, so nothing can go wrong. Oh, I think you're placing way too much faith in a cup of brown water. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but if you don't have control, you just project it onto something insignificant, right? Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, Evan McDonald here. You're listening to One Thing Real Quick. It's a podcast all about creativity. This is part two of a story about Dutch podcaster Lex Noteboom. He quit his job and he spent a year writing, directing, producing, and uh, just about everything else in an audio drama called The Decatapes. If you haven't listened to part one, you'll want to go and do that first. It's the episode just before this one. And just to recap, in part one, you heard a conversation that I had with Lex Noteboom, the creator of the Decatapes, that was recorded just before the release of the first episode of his audio drama. All told, I followed Lex for about 10 weeks, from before his first episode came out until after the show's last episode was published. If you've listened to One Thing Real Quick before, you know that each episode of this podcast is built around a single question. The one question for this story is focused on how to build an audience. And while we'll be hearing specifically from a podcaster, creator of an audio drama, my hope here is that the story being told today will shed light on how to create audiences for any creative work, be it music or photography, film, poetry, or just about anything else for that matter. Let's jump into my second conversation with Lex which we had just two days after releasing that first episode. So let's talk, okay. So let's talk about now. You're you launch your first episode. How's it going? How are you feeling about things? Yeah, I'm happy, man. So I put it out, and I thought nothing would happen. To be honest, I thought I would just put out the first episode and just start grinding away at sending out press releases. I haven't sent out a single press release because I've just been like responding to people who are responding to it. Really good reviews kept coming in. Of course, I have my Google alert set up and, and there was just really positive feedback on like Facebook audio drama groups. You have kind of a credibility now. Right. Because of what you've created. Nice. Right. Yeah, so that's been kind of great. I think on the first day I had like 600 downloads or something. That's uh -huh. 598 more than I thought because I thought probably mom and dad will download it and, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> My podcast is, I mean, it's pretty weird. You know, it's a mystery story in kind of a bizarre setting. It's not your mainstream whodunit, you know? So, right. so I was also curious how that, would, how that would work out. There's an experimental moody soundtrack attached to it. You know, it, it's not your run-of-the-mill detective show, yeah. which I was kind of anxious about. I mean, you create something because you want to like bring to life this idea you've fallen in love with. So you don't think about it while you're doing it, but... Like on day one, when you actually put it out and you start, you know, looking at your numbers, that's when you start thinking, but I, I made kind of a weird thing. Like how niche is this? You know, you're, you, you kind of have to discover that yourself. So maybe that's, that's why my expect expectations were like low. So this is a question I have for you because I feel like most people have it in their minds that the best reason to create something is because you love to create it and that you should create it regardless of whether or not you receive fan and critical acclaim. Yes. But in the end, it's very natural to want and to be delighted by people responding and reacting to it and consuming it. And it can be kind of a fuel. Yeah. But how, like, how important is it for you to have an audience, like as you balance, like I'm making yep. it for the purpose of making it versus I'm making it because I want it to be consumed. I want it to be a product. I want, wh yes. where's, where's your, what's your purpose? Okay. I love this question. Uh, I think about this a lot. So wanting to create a pure idea that is not stared by any outside influence that could corrupt what the idea is. I think that's a great starting point, but it's also very easy to use it as an excuse to not keep pushing to make it better. 
if you're being brutally honest with yourself. So in the past, I've made stuff and I told myself, hey, this is how I want to create and I'm not listening to any criticism. Well, if you're really honest to yourself, everybody's a bit afraid to put creative stuff out there. It's really fragile. Uh, you say it's good. Maybe it isn't good at all. It's scary. So yeah. say, saying to yourself, I want to be pure. I'm not listening to anyone. This is what it is. I'm done. Could be an excuse. If that's not the case, that's great. But then still, there's two different stages in the creating process. Deciding on what idea to use, to me, that's the stage in which you should ignore any outside influence. But if you want people to listen to it, if you want to convey this idea to an audience, then the second stage, which is creating a piece of art that conveys this idea, then you can't ignore outside influence anymore because you're trying to build kind of a vessel to get this pure idea out right. there in a way that everybody can understand it. So first ideation phase, which is completely free. And then, okay, what medium fits this idea and how can I, how can I convey this? It's a much more rational um, uh, process in which you try to make as many people as possible to understand maybe a weird idea. Okay, and right. then the third part to this answer is why? Well, the answer to the question has to be that apparently I want an audience, right? So. Apparently, I want to connect with as many people as possible with my idea. So apparently, my goal is to find an audience. I think if you're making art, it's very important to critically ask yourself if, if that's something you want. Like, do you really want an audience to listen to your idea? Or uh, to see it, or to... Exactly. If it's visual art, whatever the medium is. Right. It's a very important question, because maybe if you're really honest to yourself... Uh, you just like creating stuff and the part where you put it out just just sucks you know that that's yeah, yeah. that's fine and you're okay I mean, with that yeah but then just um uh, accept that so you can have so you can peacefully keep going without asking yourself should i put it out there but on the other hand i think if the answer is yes i want to find an audience then working to make that idea suitable to be communicated to the masses is just as much, if not much more work than coming up with the idea itself. And then the third right. phase, the thing we're talking about mostly, um, how to actually find that audience so you can tell them is even more work than the first two uh, phases combined. So where am I on the scale? I, am, I have discovered through the years that first I used uh, wanting to be authentic as an excuse to not have to get out there. But now I've learned that I want an audience, which means that I'll have to listen to outside influences, but not to the point where they corrupt the original idea. Makes sense? Okay, yeah. <laughs> that was a long it's, rant. It's a dance, <laughs> right? It's totally a dance. Yes. So we wrapped up this call, but the conversation continued for the next eight weeks or so. After each episode came out, we'd check in, and I'd ask Lex about the process, about his audience about how everything was going. Keep listening. We'll be talking about the specific things that Lex did to build and maintain his audience. We'll hear what some of the challenges were, and we'll find out if any of it paid off. All that and more after the break. If you like to support independent media and independent creatives, stuff like this podcast and the Decca Tapes, and if you're a champion for small, independent businesses, then why in the world would you get your audiobooks from one of the biggest global corporations out there? I'm going to guess it's because you didn't know that there was another option. Well, let me tell you about Libro.fm. Libro.fm is an online audiobook seller with the same selection at the same prices as Audible. They have an app. They have this subscription plan just like Audible. The difference is that they've partnered with over a thousand independent bookstores across the country. And when you set up an account, you pick a bookstore. All my purchases at Libro.fm support King's Books in Tacoma, Washington. It's one of those bookstores that's part of the community where I grew up. It's a part of my history. And whenever I purchase an audiobook or pay for my credit that I get with my monthly subscription, King's Books gets a cut of that sale. They get that because I chose to support them. 
Listeners of this podcast can get three audiobooks for the price of one when you use the offer code OTRQ, as in the initials for this podcast. One thing real quick. So go now, try them out, get some free books, and support the local bookstore in your neighborhood. Go now, visit Libro.fm, use the offer code OTRQ, and throw a bone over to your favorite local independent bookstore. Hey Lex, uh, it's Evan checking in. I just wanted to see how things are going, if there's any new movement, how your next episode is coming. I think you publish on Monday, right? For episode two. But uh, how's the pressure of getting that one going? What else? Just uh, send me a quick update. Just 15 seconds would be awesome. Or more. You can send me more. Send me as much as you'd like. If you've listened to the Decca tapes, you know that it's made up of these tape recordings made by the characters on the show. That's the central device that's used to propel the plot forward. What you're about to hear is the same sort of thing, only from the creator of the show, from Lex. Hi, Evan. It's uh, Lex here. It's uh, Saturday, the 16th of March. It's uh, March 19th. I hope you can hear me. I'm cycling through Amsterdam to get to a meeting. Hi, Evan, Lex here. It's March 22nd and I'm in uh, Tokyo right now, actually, visiting my brother who lives here. Each week after an episode came out, Lex and I would exchange these voice recordings. I'd ask him a question. He'd send back a voice memo, a voice recording an entry in his audio journal talking about his experiences running this show as they were happening. Nine o'clock in the morning here. Just got back from Tokyo last night. It's Thursday, April 4th. Monday, April 15th. All right, so you get the idea. One question that I'd ask week after week, given the focus of this whole interview a documenting project was what are you doing to grow your audience? We'll be identifying six specific things. And the first thing is press releases. Um, I think right now it's about finding a way to get some more press coverage. So I'm trying to type up press releases, trying, trying to get in touch with people who write about movies, um, series, cultural um, uh, platforms, stuff like that, to try and boost uh, the reach of the show. Yeah, so uh, that's where I'm at right now. Talk to you soon. Sitting at my kitchen table, having uh, lots of coffee and trying to put together some kind of press list to start sending out a press release. I still want to break into some bigger press, you know? Um, There's some, like, more cults, uh, uh, pop pop culture blogs and online magazines that um, have been writing uh, uh, about the podcast here in Holland, which is great. Basically, his press release strategy was to send a personalized email to someone at a publication he hoped to get the Decatapes featured in. And in that email, he would include a link to his press kit, which is on his website. And yeah, like he said, he's getting a little local press, but there's one problem with his press releases. But like 60% or 70% of my audience is from the US. So, you know, I want to... I want to find a way um, to break into some press over there to expand my audience that's um, more effective than just sending out press releases um, because that's not working so far. Even though a lot of the time it seemed like the press releases weren't working, Lex stuck with it. And all in all, he learned these three really important lessons about the process. First, ask your audience, no matter how small your audience may be, ask them what blogs and small media outlets they're reading. 
and then send press releases about your project to those small outlets. That's a really good place to start. Second, don't waste your time on the mainstream media outlets until you have actual big news, bigger than, hey, I made a podcast. One example, if your podcast was nominated for a big award, that might be the kind of big news that they're looking for. Third, be persistent and patient. Keep sending out your press releases and keep following up. Even if you're not getting articles written about your project, these are journalists. They're getting a lot of this stuff from a lot of different people, and they've got to keep hearing your name. All right, on to thing two. During that time between episode one and episode two coming out, Lex expressed to me this stress that he was feeling, trying to get his episode put together. Lex had already put the episodes together, but there was always these fine tunings, these refinements to the sound design, to the mix, these final touches for each episode. And he was making these tweaks and adjustments right up to the last moment. Leading up to episode two, it sort of sounded like he wasn't going to make it on time. What happens if you're if you're late? How do you feel that's going to... Um, how important are you... How much weight are you putting on the idea of consistency? In my mind, that's not an option. Uh, it has to it has to come out on Monday because I said it will come out on Monday. <laughs> um, I mean, I hope that the audience I'm reaching now is just the beginning. You know, I hope to reach a bigger and bigger group as I keep promoting. So with that mission in mind, it's um, tempting to just postpone and put an apology on Twitter, you know, I say to myself, this is just the beginning. Um, but this first group is, you know, this first group of listeners is, is really important. These are the people that are actively seeking out this kind of uh, content. So, so they'll be, you know, like, they'll be the ambassadors of this genre for, for a long time uh, to come probably. Um, so apart from me being very thankful, obviously, and wanting to deliver to whoever um, is already seeking out my stuff, um, it's all—it's also in your own best interest as a creator to do that because this is like the this is like the uh, uh, the base of the genre that you're um, delivering to right now. Thing two: consistency, keeping to a predictable publication schedule, and yes. Lex was able to keep to his production schedule. Even with those last minute changes, episode two came out on time and all the other episodes came out on time as well. He also mentioned thing three in here, though it wasn't outright. It's a respect for his listeners, a gratitude towards his audience. He cites this as a reason, as the reason to be consistent. But throughout this whole process, I saw this respect for his audience expressed in just about everything that Lex did to promote the show. And th that's really pretty huge. Okay, next up comes thing four, which isn't so much something that Lex does, but an observation about the impact of not doing things, what that has on the growth of his audience. This is a recording that he sent while he was traveling. And if you listen close, you can hear Tokyo in the background. Um, also interesting to note, now that I'm uh, um, promoting a bit less for a few hours or, or for like a day or two um, since I've been traveling, I can immediately see the numbers drop a little bit. Uh, and of course, it's just episode two, so um, I didn't expect to have a, a solid huge uh, base yet, but it's been interesting to see that active promotion has very, very direct effect. All right, talk to you soon. Think for stay engaged. Throughout this entire process, Lex is very hands-on. He's doing the tedious work of interacting directly with people who are listening to the show and interacting on social media. And this leads us right into thing five. It probably has something to do with this thing called Audio Drama Sunday. I'm not sure if I talked about that. It's this event on Twitter where audio drama fans... Uh, listen to shows on Sunday and recommend shows they enjoyed to one another. Um, also, uh, sh the Twitter accounts of shows themselves um, recommend other shows. So it's this really cool communal thing. 
uh, and I've been getting lots of good responses there. So that's great. Thing five, I'm going to call this find your people. And it's a big one. If you remember back to my conversation with Lex in part one, in the last episode, Lex talked about this. Actually, I'm just going to play a bit of that conversation. If you would have to find friends online, you would go looking for people who like the same stuff you do. And I think if you if you just look at it that way, like, okay, I want to expand my group of friends and I want to share with them what I created, uh, then you'll be much more genuine. And I think if you're much more genuine, you'll be much more effective. Speaking of genuine, Lex isn't what I would call an incredibly expressive person. So whenever we get a chance to hear him experience a peak emotion... Okay, let me play this one for you. This is a message from Lex sent to me that first week of publishing the show. By the way, um, audience-wise, seeing the reactions uh, on the first episode coming in on Twitter and some on Instagram has been awesome yesterday and today. The response has been great, and I'm so happy about it. Um, uh, it's just been awesome seeing the tweets coming in, talking about how they like the show. And there's even this Twitter account called um, Podcast Junkie, and they opened a Discord channel where people can discuss uh, like the plot of the show and where they think it's going. That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> I love this. I didn't know what Discord was at this moment. And for those of you who may not know, it's like a chat room platform. It's mostly used by video gamers, but it's being used outside that sphere. It's being picked up by people interested in podcasts. So I went and checked it out because I wanted to follow along and see how fans of the Decatapes were interacting with the show and with each other and with Lex. And yeah, it's pretty awesome. As the weeks continued, it came up a couple of times. And I've spent this morning reading uh, people discussing the second episode, which just came out yesterday. Well, I'm trying not to meddle in the conversation about the plot at all, but it's extremely difficult because I <laughs> I would really like to talk about it with anyone who've, who's been listening uh, to it. Um, sometimes they ask me questions directly and then I just answer cryptically or try to answer with as little substance as possible. And it's been amazing to see how deep people dig already, how many details they notice. Now, I dug in a bit more about this Discord server, and it was started and is maintained by a guy named Zach Ald. He's a podcaster as well. His podcast and also this Discord server is called Podcast Junkie. How did you hear about the Decca tapes? Do you remember? I do. Um, I was looking for some audio dramas um, that were new up and coming. And there is a guy on Twitter, Adlar Valentine. And at the time when I started Podcast Junkie, I noticed he was recommending a lot of shows that weren't released yet. And the Decca tapes was one of them. You've created this Discord channel that's for... It's all based around independent podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I saw all these all these misconnections happening on Twitter. Right. And I was trying to get this podcast connected with this audio engineer over on this other show because he needed help and he had questions. And then it just kind of clicked. It was like, we need to have a community. Just kind of started talking to some of the independent creators out there and seeing what they could see be beneficial for them. And I approached probably 12 of them and we just kind of started building these channels in the background. We're like three months out from when it officially launched. I'm at, I'm sitting at like 558 members right now. A lot of active people, our number never drops below 80 people online at any time. Wow. Yeah. So you've created, so you find the deck of tapes and then you create a discussion room, basically, that's... And I don't, I don't know the terms here. So you have a Discord channel. So, like, we have a Discord server um, that's called Podcast Junkie. Um, and then we have channels down in, embedded inside this one server. And, yeah, his was one of the most vibrant ones, like, right out of the gate. 
to user engagement and like um yeah and, and it was awesome to watch because he was one of the first ones that was there there'd be new people like hey don't spoil anything i just started it today uh, <laughs> and his channel is still an active channel i mean people were still in it today and he's been yeah. his last episode got released what a few weeks ago that's probably four weeks ago yeah a few other things I think you should know about Zach and this community. It's really all about supporting independent podcasts. In fact, Zach has this Patreon and he's selling merch, these t-shirts that are about supporting independent podcasts. And when he's gathered up a good chunk of cash, he donates it to an independent podcast so that they can pay for their podcast hosting or so they can get a little bit better equipment. It's really pretty awesome. If you'd like to jump into this community or if you'd like to check out the Podcast Junkie podcast, I've put a link in the show notes. Okay, so thing five, once again, we've kind of diverged a little bit, but coming back to the to our things here, thing five is find your people. And Lex did that through social media, including the Audio Drama Sunday event that happens on Twitter each week, and then in this Podcast Junkie Discord discussion board that was created by Zach Ald. And with that, we're moving on to thing six. This is the last of these things that we're going to highlight today. While thing six can impact the growth of the audience for a podcast like this, it's really much more about just being a decent human. Thing six is sharing the success. I think it's very important to keep in touch with everybody who helped um, create whatever it is you're making. So in my case, there's a big group of you know actors, designers, a sound engineer um, who helped me make the show. You know, it, it would have been literally impossible without them. So uh, what I do is I have two newsletters. There's uh, the Truth Crusader newsletter. Uh, Truth Crusader is this. Um, a group of journalists who are leaking the tapes in the show. Um, And anyone can subscribe to that on the website and you just get extra updates and background info. But I also have what I call uh, the Decker Group Internal Memo, (laughs) uh, which is kind of an interactive newsletter I send out to to all those people who help me. So we talk about the results, um, we talk about the reactions we're getting. Um, uh, You know, I... uh, uh, put in all the links of the of the actors who helped in that particular episode um it's just a great way to show that i don't take their investment for granted and i want them you know along for the ride and it's also a great way to kindly remind them uh, they might want to promote the show themselves amongst their own following so yeah i think that's just you know uh both a decent thing to do um uh, but also a great a great marketing tool if you want to if you want to look at it that way because um you know uh, they've invested time they've um uh, uh, they're showing their craft uh, so so they would want to spread it also amongst their friends and following we've talked so far about what things lex has done to build and grow and maintain his audience of listeners. But what about the challenges he's faced along the way? Lex had a lot of the same challenges that any creative has when making and distributing a creative work. But there was one challenge that really stood out. Uh, I think one of them is like internalizing how well it's going and like really just, just be happy with that for a second. Uh, I find myself just wanting it to grow more and more, you know, even though I'll obliterate the goals I set before all episodes are out. So, yeah, for some reason, um, I feel like it's not good enough and there's more potential and it should grow faster. And yeah, I don't know. So challenge one, be happy for two seconds with uh, how well it's going already. (laughs) If you're a creator who hasn't yet found your audience, or if you haven't found success, this might sound like a non-challenge. But I think the point here is that no matter how successful you are, you have the tendency to want more. And even when you have a small audience, to be grateful. Keep going, keep building, but don't forget to look back and be happy with what progress you've already made. Another real challenge that Lex didn't 
really seem to focus on at all is the sheer volume of other podcasts out there vying for an audience of their own. Lex Noteboom plunked his little eight-episode audio drama rowboat into a swelling sea of audio content. To get a better idea of the podcasting landscape, I reached out to an expert on the subject, a guy named Evo Terra. Evo has been podcasting since 2004. According to Podcast Alley, he had the 40th podcast ever, back before iTunes even had podcasts in their directory. He's one of the authors of Podcasting for Dummies. He's the CEO of Simpler Media Productions, and he's the host of the near-daily podcast for podcasters called Podcast Pontifications. <laughs> it's a whole lot of bees. All right, here's Evo Terra. So here's what we know. There are now over 700,000 podcasts in the iTunes slash Apple Podcasts directory. By some accounts, that's probably going to get close to a million uh, by the end of the year. That's, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> that, that's a whole lot. Now, 200,000 of them were added in 2018 alone, which is kind of staggering when you think about it. That, that means there's a huge flood of new shows entering the marketplace. Now, to temper that excitement, you have to remember that a lot of those 200,000 new shows and a lot of these 700,000 existing shows aren't really producing content anymore. Now, some of them, especially in the audio drama space, don't, don't need to produce content on a regular basis. They are done when the content is done, when the episodes are finished, when the story is over. That's it. For others, more like a, hey, let's do this podcast thing, and then they just stop doing it. They fade out. So that that happens a whole lot. But in, in the audio drama space, you know, it's less of a fade and more of the, the show is finished. And say la vie. All of these numbers he just shared with us come from a report from earlier this year put out by Edison Research called The Infinite Dial. We'll put a link in the show notes. And if you want to hear more from Evo Terra, his podcast and his production company will be linked in the show notes as well. Chicka, 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 chicka. Okay. That's my sound check noise for the morning. Uh, well, first of all, I should stop touching my mic because my channel keeps speaking. Yeah. What time is it there? It's uh, a quarter to three. Okay, so what? Okay, what happened into your through all of this, through all the work, yes. through those six things that he did it's to cloudy and build and grow his audience? From quitting his no, job to spending a year creating the show, the piles of unread no, no, press no, releases, I'm, and just uh, in, the in constant Amsterdam. grinding, the work. How yeah, did he do? Love Amsterdam, but After episode like eight came out, from, once this whole thing was weather. essentially done, yes. Lex and I got back on the phone. No more voice memos. Finally, a wrap-up <laughs> conversation where and Lex looks could, back and tells us how it went. I don't know. And where he tells us How's things over there? Things are good. Well, I want to know how you're doing. I'm doing good, man. Crazy busy. Uh, yesterday, there was a big um, reveal on like a national Dutch radio station. Uh -huh. um, and they uh, named the Decca Tapes as one of the uh, shortlist nominees to win a Dutch podcast award. Which wow. uh, was quite surprising, but awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. So I got to uh, start uh, a spamming campaign so that people keep voting on their website. I think up, like the, the short list was a jury. So there were like 6,000 podcasts they reviewed and then the jury chose which ones they uh, like for the long list. But now it's like 70% votes and 30% jury. So uh, yeah, considering my podcast is eight weeks old, I'll have to work hard to... Uh, <laughs> to get the votes. Well, being included on a list like that, I mean, that's got to be a pretty big deal. That's got to feel yeah. validated. Yeah, that was awesome. Yes, very. Yeah. And if, if for the first time, it feels real. The So the first time it feels real is after you're done. Yes. Well, so, I, it, it being named on like an old school medium like radio, 
uh, amongst like yeah. big shows, that's when I thought, okay, uh, it's real now. <laughs> Have you been interacting with other podcasters? I mean, there's the like the Discord channel, and there's you know we've corresponded, yeah. but I'm trying to get a bit more into the Dutch podcasting yeah. like circle because I'm not I don't know anybody in that world. Um, there was a small article printed in a movie in a Dutch movie magazine about the show, mm -hmm. um, and this girl who who works at a um, organization that hosts a yearly podcast festival uh, read that and reached out to me yes i'm going to try and meet more people through the festival and um they do this interview with creators once a month it's called the podcast club in, in front of a like small live audience so in june i'll be a guest on that and yeah hopefully stuff like that will uh, help me to get to know more people um that can do uh, things i'm less good at so maybe in the future i won't have to do every step myself yeah that's that's a big that makes a big difference yeah i have to say this past eight weeks went really fast yes i mean it's it's crazy to think that your whole season is over yeah. like what's going through your head yeah so like you said the, the, those eight weeks like flew by it was crazy um it still feels like i'm just getting started it doesn't feel like the like the season ended it 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 feels like i just released uh a pilot season almost and yeah i'm just getting started in finding more and more people to to check it out and and meeting new people in the podcast world it feels very different than what i thought it would feel like like when, when you ask me what it'll feel like when you released all eight episodes i think it would give some sense of okay this this project is over and what's next it, in many ways i'm i'm just get it feels like i'm just getting started especially because like building that first audience went so fast much faster than i thought uh, that i keep thinking well if i if i grind even harder <laughs> it'll probably get even bigger you know um of course i don't know what the stretch is it almost feels like i want to not rush into uh, a second season or another podcast too quickly because I, I kind of feel like I still want to discover what this thing really is. Like hearing hearing that nomination on the radio yesterday kind of made me realize that I might have underestimated uh, how big it could get. So, like um, your idea of what's possible. Well, and this is interesting because yes. when when we were talking earlier, you had this like it would be amazing if I could get to ten thousand downloads. Yes. And yes. at how many? At how far into this were you when you reached that goal? Like, what uh, episode pushed you over? I'm not sure, actually. It should be on one of, on one of the recordings, but I think I'm at twenty five thousand now. Wow! I could check actually. I'll give you a real time update. Yeah, let's let's look let's look at it. So now the dashboard says last twenty four hours eleven hundred fifty nine people, last seven days. 4,830, um, all time, 22,000. So, so yeah, so you've doubled your goal where yeah. your eighth episode just dropped on Monday. So yeah. let me ask you this. Um, I, I'm curious, what has this experience taught you about this process of building an audience? Yeah, so the, the first part is uh, very corny but very true, like it all starts with your product. Like what is the reason that you're building an audience? Yeah, and again, it might seem very obvious, but in this day and age, it's not that obvious because there's loads of people who are, I don't know, building a personal brand or whatever, or just, you know, building an Instagram page and it doesn't work out. And I think a lot of the times you haven't really uh, looked at what it is that you're offering people. Why should they... Uh, like digitally hang out with you or buy something from you or what what is it that you're bringing and even if you have that it's quite complicated to really understand what that product is even if you if you have made something in, and instinctually you know okay there's something here before you go and present it to the world really analyze why it's good or different or 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 what it is that you've made and why your gut tells you that that it's good i think uh with 
creative endeavors in the past, I didn't do that. And that resulted in me putting it out there and kind of finding the promotional voice that goes with the product while I was already, while it was already out. Mm -hmm. And now because I took my time, I think the teaser phase or the, all the communication I did before it came out was, was really important because I could like set up the world and introduce this company that plays a part uh, and introduce like multiple social media accounts that, that were all uh, uh, representing different characters. Um, uh, because I really understood what it was that I, that I'm putting out there and, and for what kind of audience. So that's a big lesson. That was the first time I, I took the time to like analyze that for myself. And that was, that was huge. Um, and I think, I think a second one is like, especially if you're putting out something like creative you've made on your own or, um, just something that's not. Like I'm giving this away for free just because I I loved making it, um, yeah. And I and um, and if you're if you're doing that, uh, don't start becoming too marketingy. <laughs> uh, so because you don't have to, just find relevant ways to to reach out to to people who like the same stuff you do. So when I started, I I invested money in social ads. Um, uh, for instance, uh, uh, Instagram story ads, stuff like that. And during the process, one by one, those were the kind of things that just, I just stopped doing. Um, uh, and I just put more time into interacting with people or thinking of, thinking up another weird post that would, uh, uh, you know, keep people guessing about the next episode. Just you're selling something that you think is cool. So sell it by making more stuff you think is cool instead of suddenly turning into a marketeer. I'm not saying everybody does that. That's just what I tended to do. I was like, okay, I made something. Uh, I work in advertising. I know how this stuff works. So now I'll get all advertising-y. Uh, well, don't. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. You know, if you <laughs> just keep making cool stuff. And who knows, maybe something happens and in a few months I'll, I'll, I'll put another ad out. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be smart about it. I mean, of course you should. It's, there's, everybody is creating, the internet is full of millions and millions of creators. So you gotta be smart about finding your place and, and finding your audience. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, fight for your, fight for your audience, you know, uh, fight for people to pay attention to you, but just do it by making more cool stuff. The way you sell your, your art piece can be an art piece on its own. It, that that should be what you what you strive uh, for. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Well, let me ask you this. This is kind of a follow-up and it's not so much about your audience. Well, okay, l let me ask it from the perspective of your audience. Yeah. There's more to come. Hopefully. For the for this story, that's the plan, right? Yes. Yeah, I have I have an idea for 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 a second season. I'm going to have to think of a way. So this first season took me a year to make. Uh, so that means it directly and indirectly also took lots of money. Um, yeah, so I'll have to think of, of another approach. Um, now that I've built an audience, um, is there something I can offer them and in return they'll help me create this? Um, yeah, so I'm so I'm I'm looking for something like that, but I want it to be I want it to be fun and fair uh, and transparent, you know. So I'm going to I'm going to try and find a way to make the process of uh, creating a second season um, realistic for me financially and uh, way more fun for the fans who decide to uh, back me up on this. Um, and I just I just have to have to figure out a way uh, that I feel comfortable with. Uh, yeah, so so that that's the plan, and in the meantime, grow this first season uh, as much as possible because that'll make that process easier. Also, that's really cool, and, and to think about how you're connecting this idea of involving the audience. So you've created an audience, and now as you go to create the this next season and involving yeah. them in the process, that's that's really cool. Have you started writing? Have you started? tooling on the story 
Um, I've started writing, but it's like in the concept phase. So, wh- so yeah. when I write, yeah, so, so I'm just writing the concept of the season. So I'm not writing dialogue or characters or, but I know, I know where, um, I know where it ends. I j- I'm just not sure how to get there yet. <laughs> I can, uh, I can say this. So if, so, um, listen, everything could change, but if yeah. it becomes what I, what I think it is. Um, you'll be you'll be able to listen to season two without ever having heard season one. Okay, uh, and it'll be a great show with a big twist at the end. I hope. Um, but if you have heard season one, uh, it'll be a much richer experience, and gotcha. you'll get and you'll get lots of yeah references and plot points that otherwise may seem less relevant. I liked I I feel like what you've done though in in this season is you've you've hinted at all these stories that lead, you know, the farmer and the and the yeah. cook and all those stories and I feel like you could almost just like this you've created a universe. Yeah. And you could do the you I mean you could do a season that's all about the creation of the Deca group and yeah. You know, or like there's, there's, you have created a universe and there's so many opportunities to tell stories. So anyway, it's, and, and, and you've, I think you've hooked a bunch of people, uh, you know, the people have bought into the universe that you've created and, and you have their attention. So it does because it's a big question. Like what, what do you, what do you tell them next? What's the next story that you tell them from this universe? So anyway, I feel, yeah. It's it's going to be good. <laughs> for a second there, I for a second there, I thought you were going to say it, but then you headed in another direction, and I'm happy. <laughs> you got me sweating there. <laughs> well, I, I I think you've done a good good job. I, I it's interesting the process that's brought you here from quitting your job and and going to more like freelance and and dedicating this this year and a little bit more than a year to this project, do you think you're going to go look for a, an advertising job again, or are you, have you found a I, new way of, of existing? I with- can't wait to start making, uh, another show. Okay. Um, so that's my main, it, it was just so much fun. It was yeah. so much fun that when it was done, there wasn't so much relief as just being very eager to get back into it again. So as long as uh, uh, working the way I do now, uh, you know, for different agencies, uh, uh, as long as as that works out, I'll keep doing that. Um, yeah, and then I'll, uh, uh, yeah, I just I just can't wait to start making the second season and whatever other podcasts or shows uh, come to mind. So that's yeah. the main focus. Great. Well, thanks for for sharing this. Uh, this time with me and and talking to me about the process of building an audience. You had already started the ball rolling through the work that you'd done before, but to watch it grow and to to kind of converse with you throughout these past eight weeks, it's been a, a fascinating, uh, a fascinating experience for me to to watch and observe. So, yeah. thanks for sharing that experience with me. Yeah, thank you, man. It'll be weird not receiving any more uh, WhatsApp voice messages from you. Uh, in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, hey, maybe, maybe you never know. Maybe I'll ask for some, like, if you have a good well, recipe for. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> for and otherwise, you, hey, you should make a um, should make a cookbook. <laughs> yes. You should yeah, I love it. it. The cookbook. Yeah, the cook's book. The cook's cookbook. <laughs> Yeah, done deal. I'm going to see going you've to got a universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this merch line could go all over the place. Oh man! All right, that's it. That's the end of an era. It took over 12 weeks to capture and compile this story. This has been the least quick episode of One Thing Real Quick, and I worked hard not to include spoilers. So go listen to the Deca tapes, and when you do, find Lex on Twitter. Tell him what you think. If you want to be kept up to date on what Lex is creating next, go to thedecatapes.com and sign up for his email newsletter. One thing real quick is created and produced by me, Evan McDonald. John M. Craig is our associate producer. The music on this episode was created by me, 
A huge thanks to Lex for sending all those messages and for sharing the process of becoming an award-nominated podcaster. And good luck on hopefully snagging a Dutch podcast award. Get more about this podcast at onethingrealquick.com. You can find us on Twitter at OTRQ Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Evan McDonald. Thanks to Zach Ald of Podcast Junkie and to all 500 plus members of the Podcast Junkie Discord server. They have an awesome community there. If you like podcasts, you should join in on their conversation. Check in the show notes for links to that. Big thank you to Evo Terra. Get more thought-provoking insights about podcasting from him through his show, Podcast Pontifications. It's a podcast for podcasters that touches on ways to make podcasts better, not just easier. And thanks to Libro.fm for supporting this episode. Don't forget, you can use the offer code OTRQ and get three audiobooks for the price of one. Go get some free audiobooks. And most importantly, thank you. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time. Until then. Hey, Lex, I uh, I almost forgot, and uh, <laughs> you thought you were done getting voice messages from me, but uh, one last thing. Uh, I do this at the end of each episode. I'm just about to finish the edit for the episode, and I I need a book recommendation. What have you been reading? I always tack that on to the end of each episode. So just send that in a voice memo, and uh, and that should be all I need. Thanks. I'm reading uh, some vintage James Bond. My brother recommended that I should read some Ian Fleming, so I'm uh, almost finished in Moonraker. And I, I like it. It's a it's a really cool writing style, and it's very different from the movies. He's he's much more of a character. Um, yeah, it's old, so there's parts in the story that we would now consider sexist. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a good read.